Why, hello, everybody. My name's Tom, and I'm a member of this church here, along with my wife and kids. And I also serve on staff as for TCM International Institute, which is one of LCC's mission partners. We're headquartered just out of Indianapolis. If you haven't been here much this summer, we have been going through the book of Proverbs. In fact, Craig has led us through 12 weeks looking at the wisdom that Solomon brought to his people, telling the Israelites to choose wisdom. You have all these different choices in life, but to choose wisdom. And Craig ended that sermon series for us last week well by showing that difference and in saying that every day when you wake up, you're going to encounter these choices. And this is the charge that we have as Christians. And we believe at this church that what's written in the Old Testament is just as valuable as it was then. And I'm sure you can attest to that, looking at the things we've been talking about, saying that, wow, even this was written thousands of years ago, somehow it's still very applicable today. But the one thing, now that we're past this sermon series, I want us to look back at that as a whole. Look back at this idea of choosing wisdom and say that we don't live in the Old Testament. In fact, we have Jesus. We have the New Testament. Now, there are some that say that we have the New Testament. In fact, we don't even necessarily need the, the old anymore. We can just do this and things are radically replaced. And I would say that things are radically different, but they're not radically replaced. It's not a difference in value from what we see in the book of Proverbs, but there is a difference in power that we have with Jesus and with the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, as we open up this morning, I want to thank you for giving us the book of Proverbs. I want to thank you for the Old Testament. Thank you for all of this wisdom that is readily available to us and freely available to us. And, Father, in the struggle that we have in choosing the right thing to do, we feel the weight of sin and evilness that is around us and oftentimes very much in us. Father, would you help us to see this this morning and help us know how best to live in the power of Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Now, who in this room, by show of hands, claims to be a Christian? Okay. What happened when you became a Christian? When you were baptized, what what happened? What changed in your life? The Bible describes that there's something fundamentally different about who we are. In fact, Paul, author of many of the books in the New Testament, he talks about this in the form, not just of new life, but as death. He said, there's something so different. It's actually like the person who I was before has died, and there is a new person there in place. In fact, when we talk about baptism, I feel like nowadays we, we emphasize the new life so much. We emphasize the, the new way of living this, but we seldom emphasize the death you know, that took place in ourselves when we were baptized. Colossians 2.12, it says, having been buried with him in baptism, okay, referencing our death, buried with Jesus in baptism, which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Another 
place that Paul says it in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. So it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. When you become a Christian, something in you, not just something, you fundamentally change. And baptism is such a wonderful example of this death and resurrection, right? When we, oftentimes we immerse somebody in the water, we say dead to sin, alive in Christ. Right. My wife, Kelly, she said this really clicked for her when she said it was described to her as your DNA changes. It's not some disconnected part of yourself that's just influencing who you are. No, but everything that you're made of, your nature is fundamentally, fundamentally and radically different. It's like going from a carnivore to an herbivore, a cinivore to a do-goodivore. <laughs> Excuse the uh, dad joke, right? Uh, it's an inward transformation, that inward out, but I also wanna make a point that it's also the outward in, okay? Let me explain that a little bit more. Um, and one great example that I have seen, when I was in college, I had the chance to go to Spain and Portugal and we visited what I thought at first would have been at the ruins of a church, but it was actually just a house. Now, this is back in like the 6th century AD. I can't believe it's this old. But back then, this was actually like pre-church buildings. I think they might have had some, but church buildings themselves were not that common. When churches were meeting together, they would meet at someone's house. And what I think, this was a rich Christian who had a bigger house. A lot of people didn't have very big houses, but he had a bigger house. So they, the Christians gathered at the house, and he actually built a baptistry inside of his house, you know, for the church services, so people could be baptized. And this is how he built his, baptist, his baptistry. And this was common in the Roman Empire at this time. It was built in the shape of a cross. And I have some pictures here that show what this looks like. Now, the theology in this is, is profound, and let me just walk you through how this was. So first, there are two different staircases into this baptistry, and I tried to spell this out. At first, I, I stood, the, the person being baptized would stand on one side of the baptistry and face east and directly address Satan and say, Satan, I am no longer going to live this direction. I am no longer going to live my life following you. Next, go sits down and the person helping him or baptizing this person would help him sit down. And then in the shape of a cross with their arms stretched out wide, they would fall back into the water in the shape of a cross, signifying being dead to sin and crucified with Christ. These two verses we just read exactly in this resemblance. And then coming out of the water, they would leave the baptistry facing the other direction, knowing that anyone who comes into the baptistry never leaves in the same way. And they address God and say, God, now I am going to follow you this way. The literal meaning for the word repentance, what we do when we accept Jesus and we repent from our sins, it literally means to turn around and go a different direction. Isn't that cool how this baptistry illustrates that? Now, how many of you who raised your hand can testify 
that living this way is oftentimes more uh, or harder than it sounds. Who can say, yeah, I get what you're saying. I actually even understand and have felt that power of Christ. But man, the struggle is real. I just Googled the struggle is real and there's lots of funny things that come up on the internet. So before I get deep and depressing, here's a little, uh, here's a little thing I found. This guy knows the struggle is real. All right, take that down. Uh, if you're anything like me, you know just how hard that temptation can be. Just think for a minute. What is that big sin for you? What's that one thing that, yeah, you might be tempted in different ways and in different categories, but man, there's just that one thing that keeps coming. Is it lust? Is it anger? Is it pride? Is it seeking after that thing that isn't necessarily so bad, but it's not what you know that you should be focused on? Perhaps this week you can even think of a specific, uh, specific situation where you know that you had the choice to allow Christ's transformation in you, to have you choose to act differently, but the temptation is just too hard. How do you respond when you're driving down 65? In that one car that's just trying to weave in and out of traffic, just barely squeezes in right in between you and the car in front of you. When you're home alone and you're on your phone or you're on your computer and there's just that one image or one thing that leads to another and leads to another, what things come up? If after the service I said, hey, do you mind if I borrow your Netflix password? Would you be embarrassed by what comes up on your suggested watch next list? When these situations come up, do you let the, the, the brokenness, there could be things that are going on in your life that you didn't control. You're in an unfair situation. Do you let those angers and those thoughts, whether it's outside venting to somebody else or just those inward thoughts lead to anger and lead to things that you know are not godly thoughts? In all of these situations, most of these I got just from thinking about my own life. Too many times I find myself in, the, in those positions. And Paul, again, there's a lot of Paul in this sermon because he's reflecting to his readers what it's like to live with Jesus. Paul gets this. In Romans 7, starting in 19, he's lamenting and like venting to his readers. I can just picture him here on his knees saying, for I do not do the good that I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, really. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivered me through Christ Jesus our Lord. Every decision we make, big or small, 
Life is dynamic. Life is moving. Life is changing. Every little decision we make either moves us one step closer towards Christ and godliness, or it moves us one step away. And this doesn't mean that if you've messed up, small or big, that you're, you're off the charts and you're going to hell. No, we're saved and justified through the blood of Jesus. But how we are sanctified is through our daily choices of choosing wisdom and of choosing godliness. A Christian life sanctified by Christ is a game that's won by inches. When enough right decisions are made in the right direction, even if each one doesn't seem like a big deal, you will see a huge difference, not only in your outward actions, but in the, in, in the inwardness of your heart as well. You will notice that difference. I was, uh, or I just really loved hearing this poem from Gary Johnson, the pastor at the Creek. And I wrote it down and I encouraged my, me and my kids to memorize it. It exemplifies this so well. It says, there are two hearts inside of my chest. One is cursed and one is blessed. One I love and one I hate. The one I feed will dominate. Now leave that slide up there just for a few minutes. This is illustrating that what you fill your life with, these tiny, tiny little choices, over time, it's like a weight, a balance. The one that you feed more, you will find will dominate the other. And of course, the opposite is also true. If you little choices, one by one, in the right direction, when you get in that time of struggle, when you get in that time of weakness, the part of your heart that you have been feeding, that you have been pouring into, that can help you for the good as well. And it won't be a short battle, <laughs> I can assure you. Let's be honest, we didn't get into the depth of the stronghold of our sin overnight. And we can't expect to get out of it overnight as well. But the mold is there. Christ said that we were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. But that comes through the repetitive decisions, the small choices we make every day. I love how Paul also paints the picture in Ephesians 4, through 24. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. I love this because Paul emphasizes both that outward and the inwardness. He emphasizes the gift, like, no, you were created this way. It is given to you to go this direction. But it also emphasizes the choice, saying that, yeah, it's here, it's available to you, but you have to choose. Now, if you're, I'm finally going to use this prop, Okay. This morning, you woke up, you had the choice of, you know, what to wear. You all got dressed, thank you, before coming. But every morning, you wake up and you're saying, what do I wear? Do I wear this or do, wear, do I wear this? And in the same way, every single day, we choose, am I going to put on the old self? Or this morning, am I going to put on the new self? And even if you wear the new self one day, 
It's not just a one-time decision. Even coming out of the baptistry and you have that new self, you're clothed with righteousness in this, this way. The next day when you wake up, you got to choose to put that on again. And if you're a new Christian especially, don't be surprised if the old self still feels very comfortable. Okay, don't be surprised if the old self still appears to be much more in style with what's going on in the people around you. Don't be surprised if, that, if you do put on the new self that, well, one, you got to break it in first, and two, that you can feel a little lonely and a little unpopular. There may be times when wearing the new self and all of a sudden you look around and you realize like, wow, I look a little different. That different might not feel right at first. Maybe I shouldn't say it that way. Not not feel right, but you will notice the awkwardness of that difference. But here's the thing. Other people will notice it too. And I love it when Craig says, I've heard him say it on this stage. He says, when people live differently, a difference is made. And people will notice. You will notice first. And then other people will notice as well. I want to share a story that I've just recently heard this past week from a TCM graduate working in Central Asia. He was telling me a story about a man named Kazibek. Now, Kazibek is from Central Asia. If you're not sure where Central Asia is, I've got a little map up here just to get your head wrapped around. Part of the former Soviet Union and is predominantly Muslim. And many places in Central Asia, Christians are not very welcome. Now, Kazibek was a bad dude. Kazibek, in telling um, a friend this, he said, I was cruel and I was violent. The crimes I was in, he said, I would put somebody against a wall and push a car into them to punish them. And because of the different crimes that he was involved with, he eventually was sentenced to 25 years in prison. And in prison, Kazibek heard about Jesus for the first time, and he totally turned his life around and became a Christian. In fact, everything about Kazibek had changed so much that eventually he was let out with only about half of the sentence because the, the uh, prison guards literally couldn't find any more reasons to keep him there. They said he is so fundamentally different that there is no reason for him to still be in jail. And once he left, the old principal at Kazibek's school heard about this and heard about the transformation and she said, if there's a God that can change Kazibek, then I have to know who this God is. This type of transformation we are invited into as well. And when we fully lean into that, people will see the difference. Christ has made a way, and it's our time to say yes to say yes to freedom, to say yes to the friendship with our creator who knows your struggles. He knows the depth of your sin. My wife Kelly often tells our kids when they're mean or when they do something bad to their sibling, she says, you know what you're feeling right now? You know that sin in there? God, God already knows. He knows exactly how you're feeling. You might as well invite him into that feeling and ask him to help you. 
we have the new life in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to choose, and we have his help to choose wisdom and to choose godliness. But, but do you see the balance I'm trying to paint here? There's the balance of the gift of grace choosing, and then the balance of choosing godliness. So there's grace and then our responsibility. There's the balance of justification, saved by Jesus, and sanctification, right, doing good. And I I really want you to see this balance because I feel like it's so often, um, it's so easy to get off balance. It's so easy just to highlight the grace and just to keep on going on living with our own ways and by our own desires and letting that evil, that part of our heart that we hate, letting it dominate. But then there's also the equal chance of us undermining the power and undermining the gift and just saying over and over again, like, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And then all of a sudden you realize that you can't. Our, my, my generation, millennials, are now being labeled as the burnout generation. And I, there's a bunch of opinions why, but it's this attitude of go, 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 get this job, add this job, do this thing, do this thing, have this social platform, all these things until you just eventually flatline. I was driving up 65 from the office back up to Lebanon, and I noticed for the first time, this is a few months ago, uh, a billboard. I don't know if maybe you guys have seen this billboard too. It was on that electric changing one just a blue background and big black letters that said, you are enough. And that really made me think. And this is how my thoughts went. I was thinking, wow, what a nice and encouraging thing to say to people that is so completely and utterly not true. In fact, so untrue. It is, in fact, I think the opposite of what the Bible teaches, the opposite of the gospel message. What the Bible teaches and what I want to share with you today, love you, but you are not enough. I am not enough. But what we see is that God loves you so much that he sent his son down who was enough so that you don't have to be. Even in the struggles, Jesus provides the power. He provides the ability. He provides the equipment for you to choose godliness. Not because of your own power, but because of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, because again, it's going to happen. We get it. He will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, I encourage you to say yes to him. You may be at a time, and if you're not now, I know I'm confident you will be, that you are going and going and going and realize that, wow, I am not enough. And I, just like everybody else in this world, am in desperate need of a savior. And if you are a Christian, that means you know that the struggle is real, right? I want to I emphasize that. You know the struggle is weird, real. You are more aware of the depth of your sin than anyone else. But I hope that you're encouraged that we have this balance of the gift 
of God in the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit in his equipment to do what is right. The game won by inches, slowly and slowly moving in that right direction. And I want to encourage you and I want to leave you just with this one verse in Colossians 3.1. It says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. You have been brought into this new life. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Father in heaven, how we need you how we need you overarching in our life to make a way for us, to justify us in the depth of our sins so that we can accept that gift and go into heaven. But Lord, how we also need you in every single little decision we, need, we make. How we need you in those small day-to-day attitudes, in those day-to-day expressions, those day-to-day thoughts. Father, we admit that it's hard and we cannot do it alone. Thank you, Jesus, for equipping us. Thank you, God, for empowering us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us and prompting us and touching our hearts and convicting us and showing us the way to go. We give our lives to you, knowing that it is only through you and through your power that we can choose to put on this new self and to live for you. It's in your name that we pray.